Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Jerry Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers juggling work, home, family, and kids, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. You know, we get how overwhelming and stressful life can be, especially when you're caring for an aging loved one. Jerry Talk is here to provide you with resources, tools, and support to encourage and equip you through this journey of caregiving. So my guest today is Crystal Cummings. She's a wife, a pharmacist, a busy mother of two, as well as caregiver to her grandmother. So Crystal, welcome to the program today. We're so excited to have you. Thanks, Kelly. I appreciate the opportunity to be on and to share a little about my experience as a caregiver and hopefully be able to shed some light on some medication management tips from my perspective as both a pharmacist and a caregiver that I'm hoping that someone who's listening may can benefit from. That's great. So in the intro, I gave a little bit about you, but why don't you kind of fill in the gaps and give us a little background about yourself? Well, um, as you said, I am a pharmacist and I've been practicing pharmacy for about 12 years now. And as you also said, that I am the primary caregiver to my grandmother. I started caring for both her and my grandfather about five or six years ago as their health started to decline and they started aging some. My grandfather recently passed away and my grandmother's health has significantly declined since then. So it's kind of a challenge at times, but we're managing. So (laughs) yeah, well, you know, one of the reasons, Crystal, why I thought you would be such a good guest is because you've been a caregiver for both grandmother and grandfather, but you've also seen the senior care side as a pharmacist. And so I think that brings a really unique perspective. But let's first start with the caregiving side. So, you know, tell me a little bit about how you became the primary caregiver for really both your grandparents and what that kind of looks like now on a weekly basis with your grandmother. Okay, to kind of paint the picture a little bit, I've always been extremely close to both of my grandparents as they raised my sister and me also. And I consider them honestly to be my heroes. You know, I have no doubt that I would be where I am in life today if it weren't for them. They took my sister and me both in and they raised us. They loved us and supported us in what we decided to do with our lives. And they provided for us when they didn't have to. Not that that has a role in my decision to be a caregiver for them, but it absolutely does serve as a reminder on those extremely tough and stressful days that they gave up much of their retired life for me. And I know that they would do it again without a doubt. And I just want to provide the same care for them as they did for me. So how old were you and how old were they when you started living with them? Well, let's see. I was probably four or five. My sister was 18 months old and I am about four years older than her. So I was probably five or six. But to be honest, they cared for us just about every weekend. I know they got custody of us. So most of my life. They yeah. were probably and so how in their forties, late mid to late forties, I would say. I don't guess I've really ever calculated it, but I would think okay. probably late forties, kind of becoming parents all over again was I'm sure overwhelming for them at times also. <laughs> that is exactly oh, sure. what it they've always kept said. Young, though. You know, they <laughs> Yeah. I mean I've heard that that it just like um there's an article going around I think it's on Facebook right now about how That's grandparents true. babysit live longer. Um, it probably That's just right. keeps your yes, mind absolutely. young, right? I mean, that makes sense. 
So did you always know that you would kind of fall into this role as a caregiver for them? Or is that something that well, later I'll be honest, in life I never realized? dreamed that the responsibility of taking care of them would fall into my lap, you know, as I am the granddaughter or, a, you know, I also consider myself as a child to them. And they considered me a child also because they raised me. But I never dreamed that they would ever get to that point either, that they would require the care. I always thought that they would be the ones that I would always need, that I would always need to call on or have to call on in life just as they always had been Mm -hmm. and so that was very emotional and very difficult for me to watch them decline in help and realize that they needed help and when I first started caregiving Mm -hmm. for them was kind of just a fluke I just started noticing you know I visited every day it wasn't daily it was probably every other day And I just noticed things around their home that were going undone that had never been that way before. I started noticing like mail being unopened. And when I started opening it, realizing that car insurance was past due, you know, cable bill had not been paid, things like that, that my grandfather had always taken care of, but he was diagnosed with dementia. And obviously that's part of the process, the declining process. And Just my grandmother had always been an immaculate housekeeper, and I just started noticing laundry undone, dust on furniture that had never been there before. And then, you know, as their pharmacist, Mm -hmm. I always refilled their medications, and they had always been on time. They would come to the pharmacy every roughly every month, every 30 days to get refills. And I started just noticing, hey, Granny and Papa have not been here in a while. Like, And I'd look back, and I'd notice it'd been... 45, 50 days since their refills. And so I started checking on medications at home and noticed that their bottles were full. So they were either one, just not taking their medications, not remembering them, or number two, just not seeing the importance of it. Also appointments, they would have doctor's appointments that they were not making. They were you know, not showing or, and it was either one because they forgot or number two, like I said, they just didn't see the importance of it, I'm assuming. So you know, just before I knew it, I was started. I had started cleaning a second home, doing laundry for a second home, refilling medications, and caring for finances, buying groceries weekly. Just everything that you know, required to keep their home up. Also, I found myself doing. I would say it just kind of fell into my lap unexpectedly. Like never dreamed I would have the responsibility. Right. Well, and you've got two young kids, my right? Son so is tell 10, me their ages and again. And my little girl is about to be six. Yes, and okay, it's extremely so young. I mean, to young kids. <laughs> right. So you're, I mean, what we consider that sandwich generation, right? Caring for kids, all while caring for an aging relative. So, how do you manage that week to week? I mean, I'm sure every week is a little different, but you've got to have your ducks in a row to a degree in order to keep all those balls well, in the air. Well, um, so, I'm still trying so to find that, that out, to be honest. I've been doing this for five or six years, and which has been most <laughs> of my little girl's life. And in the beginning, it didn't require as, quite as much care as it does now, but it still took away a lot of home time for me. I recently was able to hire a little bit of help. I'm still ultimately the primary caregiver. But on a weekly basis, I still run the errands. I buy the groceries. I take to and from appointments. I manage medications. And I also manage the caregivers that I've actually hired to help me. Because, you know, it got to the point where my children were wanting to know, when's mommy coming home? I was over at my grandmother's house every night 
feeding, bathing, getting ready to tuck into bed, Mm -hmm. giving medications. And it's all right there at bedtime for my children. And a lot of times they don't want to lay down and settle down until mommy was home. And it just got to be just really overwhelming and like something had to be done. It's still difficult, but I will admit that asking for help has probably been the best thing that I've decided to do. Hmm. And when well, did you probably come to that a conclusion? year ago when my grandfather started really declining in his health. And my grandmother, surprisingly, was really good. It was just he was taking such a toll on her as a demented patient, as you hmm. well know, how much care they require and how stressful just that disease can be on the spouse themselves as not even really a caregiver, just being living with that every day, day in and day out. And it was just really taking a toll on her. Eventually, I got to the point where for her help, she needed help to take some of the some of him off of her. Um, the bathing, you know, he got to the point where right. he didn't bathe. She would have to bathe him. He was a big man and just got to where it was just too much for her. Me as being the granddaughter, it was kind of just a little awkward, some of the tasks that I would have to complete for him. So it really just helped everyone to get someone in to help. I probably did that maybe a year or a year and a half ago, maybe I would say, to help with him. And since he passed away, it's just she's really gone downhill significantly and gotten to the point really she does not need to stay really alone at all. And so since then, you, you well, I guess even before then, you had right. hired some yes. private caregivers and to come in That was to help day. cook and clean and wash. And that definitely helped me out to just get that help in there so that I would not have to, because, you know, I would work a full day at work and leave work at six o'clock, get home 630 and run in, say hello to my children and my husband. And I would have to leave to go take care of those things at their house. Fortunately, I had a husband who understood Mm -hmm. and picked up extra responsibilities around my home, but it just didn't seem fair to him either. Right. Crystal, you seem to manage the emotional side of things so well, too, because so often we hear the guilt, right, and the resentment and the frustration that comes along with that caregiving, with that burden of care. But you seem to really, you, you seem to not struggle with that? I mean, is that just the external side that, that we see on a well, day-to-day basis or is say, that an I issue mean, for you? You know, I've had people, and no pat on my back, but people tell me I'm just a strong, strong girl, strong woman. And I don't like to say that that's it at all, mm-hmm. but um, I just, I don't know. I'm just afraid that one day I will have my breaking point. And not to say that I have had breaking points at times, breakdowns, but that's just kind right. of being party on myself, but I don't know. I think that you just get that, the adrenaline, I guess, not necessarily that it is the adrenaline, but just to compare it, it's just like, you know, it's got to be done. So you just toughen up and you get it done. But emotionally it is draining at times. And I have felt at times that I've taken it out, like on my grandmother, not in a abusive way or anything mm-hmm. like that, but you know, like I'll hurry up over for there sure, and not give her sure. the time that I think she needs or deserves. It's just, I'll go to her home and she wants me to sit and visit, but I'm like, granny, like I, I, I'm over here to do something. I got to get this done. And she don't understand. And right. I totally get that. But at times I feel like I kind of shorten my time with her unintentionally, but it just happens that way. It's just, it is hard and it mm-hmm. is emotionally draining and physically draining, but it's just something, I don't know. I just push through, I guess. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess you have to, you know, 
So one thing that, and you tell me if you want to talk about this or not, but one thing that when we talked last week, I really found interesting is you had talked about Granny and this baby doll that your daughter had this left over there. So tell us a little bit about that. It's very emotional for me when we were visiting over at my yeah. grandmother's and my little girl loves baby dolls and she's a little mommy and she had taken her baby doll to my grandmother's house with us and my grandmother just took up with that baby doll. And at first I was like, she's just playing along with my little girl that she was convinced and she just knew that that baby was real we had to actually leave the baby doll over there I had to just pull my little girl to a side to another room and explain try to explain to her and this is also very emotional for my kids right. they don't understand you know that why like this my why yeah. this granny thing oh, yeah. that baby's real that baby's not real so I have to you know kind of talk with them before we go to visit it's like just play along with granny her mind is getting you know elderly that's how I kind of explain it to them and but anyway we took the baby over there and my grandmother wanted to hold it she wanted to feed it we've actually had to come up with a way to to make a bottle for this baby and the way we did that was that we super glued the little nipple hole shut and we have filled the bottle with water and coffee creamer and it looks like milk she oh, sits wow. there all day and feeds that baby and that baby doll has brought her so much contentment and happiness that honestly if I had known that that would have made her this happy I would have done this six months ago Yes, and we have to buy diapers for the baby. But we bought preemie diapers, and mm -hmm. we changed that baby. And she just thinks that baby smiles at her and just coos at her. It's so sweet, but at the same time, it's very emotional for me to know that she's in that state. It's just it's it's very I'm hard, sure. but yeah. she feels like she has a purpose. I feel like now she's caring for that baby, and if that makes her happy, then I'm all for it. Well, yeah, and it's so interesting for someone who raised right. children and two grandchildren. You know, she was always that caregiver, that she always had that purpose. And so to be able to give her that now is just so interesting That's how right. much joy it, it, it really does. Her. She she holds it all day. She cuddles it up, swaddles it up in a blanket. And but that's what she's always done her whole life. Like she was a homemaker and she was a stay at home mom mm -hmm. and she took care of her children and her grandchildren and her home and still in this stage of her life, this season of life. That's what she still longs to do, even if it is with a baby doll, you know, because in her mind, it's no different. Mm -hmm. Well, and I have to say, on your side of it, it'd be, be very easy to take that baby yes. home, right? And at first, and I fight. <laughs> Yes. that what you know what's and going too, on when I mentioned yeah. taking it out on my grandmother a lot of times I would go over there at night to do her nightly routine and she would ask me to take her home and this would just really hit me emotionally and then also it just got so hard to try to explain to her you are home you're not going anywhere like there's nowhere else to take you this is your home Yes, well, she she's built in this the home, home that, her, that she raised you in. Is that right? Built this home. It's the home that they raised yeah. the last of their children in and raised my sister and I in. I've been in this home for 40 years. So it's just very hard. And I would find myself just mm. somewhat arguing with her to try to reason with her. But I learned really quickly that reasoning is out of the question. Like her mind is past that. 
the best thing for her and right. for me is just to go along with it. So instead of me saying, you are home, you're not going home, I would just divert mm-hmm. it to, yes, we're going to go home in just a little while, but we're going to rest here for now. And she would, she was fine with that. And I did find that mm-hmm. with me trying to reason with her, it brought upon more anxiety for her. And she would become more emotional. Mm. She would just cry because she would want to go home. But if I would just kind of divert it to, hey, we'll go home later, but we're just going to stay here and rest for now. She would buy that. And she'd say, well, okay, okay. And then, of course, she would be fine. She wouldn't ask again. Or sometimes she would ask again, and I would just continue to divert that. But that has been one of the hardest Mm -hmm. things. Yet the best thing I had decided to do was to just go along with her and not to reason or argue. Yeah. So you've had to be really resourceful throughout learning to be a caregiver. So are there any tools or even tips that you have found as a caregiver that yes, you would recommend to someone else? The biggest thing that has been helpful for our family was I decided early on to place cameras in her home. And this was more or less for my grandfather when he was still living because he was Alzheimer's patient and he would get up and roam. Most of the time it was around the house during the night, but it did get to where it was outside. So we actually have cameras outside the home and inside the home. And I have an app on my phone that will, when there's movement in the house, it will alert me. And if it's during the night, it wakes me up. I don't live far from them or from Mm. her now, so I can be over there in just a matter of minutes, less than five minutes. So if they're, and I can speak to her over the camera, and sometimes that will calm her down because she's just gotten to the point where she's a great fall risk. She's fallen and actually has a compression fracture in her spine from the fall. So it's just gotten to where anytime she needs to get up, she needs assistance. Mm. There's been times in the middle of the night she'll need to get up and I'll have to go over to help her up. So the cameras have been very, very helpful because I can't imagine how things would have been because there's been times that I've checked in on her and she's been laying in the floor from a fall. If I had not had the cameras to check in and be able to get there to assist her, then it could have been a couple hours later before I had gone over there. But since another um, tool that we've used is we have bought her one of the bracelets and the necklaces that detect falls that I don't know the brand. And it has a button on there that she can mash. And we try to explain to her if you ever need help and there's no one here to mash that button. I don't know that she comprehends that and would ever be able to mash it for help. But the, the type that we have is a fall detector. So if she were to fall and not be able to mash the button, it will alert the company and they will call with the cameras, is yes, that an app that you Arlo use? Yes, we use the Arlo brand. There's brand several that? brands out there available. It's an Ar- It's the brand Arlo. A lot of people just use it for being away from home, seeing who's knocking at your door, if the doorbell rings or whatnot, just for security around the home. And of course, this does provide security for us in her home. More than anything, it's for safety. But it's um, an app on my phone. And it, like I said, you, tur- you can turn the notifications on or off whenever. Like usually when a caregiver's there or she has someone there with her, I just turn it off because it does annoy you all during the day, all during the night, anytime there's movement, okay. but definitely when no one's there, yeah. those alerts are on or notifications are on. That's been the probably most helpful resource that we have invested in. That's neat. I'll link below in the show And notes I'll tell you too, also, Home Health has been a great resource for us. And that's something that we just asked for from her primary care doctor, when, especially after her fall and she hurt her back and she was unable to, to get up and down at all easily or 
just a greater risk of falling. And they were able to provide Mm -hmm. us the resources so that we didn't have to get her to and from like physical therapy, occupational therapy and things like that. And that was just something that we had to additionally ask for. And that's when I've told you about asking for help is the greatest thing we did. That's another resource that most, I think most everyone could have access to if the primary doctor agrees to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about the medication management Mm -hmm. side. You know, I know that you see this firsthand as a pharmacist, but also with both Granny and Papa, when they go from hospital to home Mm -hmm. or medications are changed or somebody makes a tweak, there are so many times when I go into a home and there's a huge cabinet full of medications. Mm -hmm. We're not real sure which ones we're on or why we're on certain ones. And we know just from being in and around the healthcare field that medication overdoses and medication management is a huge risk for our senior population. So as a pharmacist, you know, I know that you see the difficulty of managing medications. So walk us through a little bit of what we need to know well, about um, managing first medications. First of all, in my opinion, medication management, whether it's poor or great, without a doubt, can make or break your patients' health outcomes. Very, very important with caregiving. Almost as important, in my opinion, maybe because I'm a pharmacist, but as the personal care that they have to receive. You know, if they don't receive the correct medications or the correct doses, I mean, you know, they can have a heart attack or they could have a stroke or anything like that. So proper medication management is a must. I have found that when you do go to into the hospital or into a rehab facility and you do come home, most medications have changed for the patient, whether the dose has been increased or decreased or discontinued. Lots of new medications are oftentimes added. And the biggest thing is to get rid of or set aside those medications that are no longer being used so that there's not that opportunity for giving the wrong medication. What I like to recommend is that when you are caregiving, providing care for an elderly patient, is that you will oftentimes most likely have more than one of you helping that patient. And when that is the case, I would just designate one person to manage the medication. In my Mm -hmm. opinion, you don't need three or four hands in the medicine cabinet for multiple reasons, but for the main reason to be that there's no confusion or questions about where something is or what is current, what's old, um, things of that nature. That's the same kind of tips, right, that we get as parents. That's right. That you should have one person yes. that medicates a child yes. so that you don't, don't over- give us double dose or, yeah, I mean, that, yes, that like makes mom perfect is always sense. the one that gives medication or dad, whichever. But that way, the other parent doesn't come along and say, oh, little Johnny has a cough. Let me give him some cough medication. Well, mom may have given him a cough medication 30 minutes prior. And then if you have different shifts coming in, I recommend keeping a schedule, you know, like a notebook beside Mm -hmm. the medicine cabinet that tells exactly what was given and at what time, what dose, what time, and what the complaint was of the patient. Because we have a lot of what we call PRN medications, which are as-needed medications for the patient that's not considered scheduled um, like every so many hours around the clock or what. It's just when the patient needs it. So I like to recommend also that those type medications be set aside, not in with the maintenance meds and have like a black Mm -hmm. marker or something you write what it's used for, whether it be nerves or pain or cough or allergies or constipation, things like that, that most people usually don't take routinely, you know, it's just as needed. And you don't want those medications to get mixed up with what should be taken on a daily basis. 
And then also, I like the idea of that one medication manager being the only one who calls in for refills. That way, you're sure they're done. You don't assume that the caregiver before you or after you will take care of that because, you know, medications have to be refilled. They don't just appear in the medicine cabinet. And the the way that happens is that you call the pharmacy, you ask for the refill, and then you go to the pharmacy and pick it up. But there's a lot that goes on between that step and picking up the medication. The pharmacist will have to make sure there's valid refills on that prescription bottle. Sometimes the patient or caregiver may not realize that the patient's out of refills. And if that happens, the pharmacist, most pharmacists usually take the initiative to call the doctor's office or fax the doctor's office to ask for refills. But it would not hurt for the caregiver to call the doctor also. You know, kind of hitting from two sides usually will we'll get it done quicker. Well, because it never fails. It'll be, you know, Friday at 4.30. And that's when you realize, oh my goodness, I don't have pills left. And I don't have a refill. That's right. And that happens all the time. We see it every day. And especially, you're right, on Fridays because there's no way. Some doctor's offices close early on Fridays, like noon. Yes. And they come in our store at 430 and they're out of blood pressure medication. And, you know, there's no way for us to contact the doctor until Monday. So, you know, we don't want you to stroke out. But at the same time, not being ugly at all, but there's some responsibility that needs to be taken on the patient side or the caregiver side. But we can always usually loan a few to get by on certain medications. That's always something to keep in the back of your mind, but don't expect that, you know, because usually that's at the pharmacist's discretion and certain medications like narcotics and which would include most pain medications, we are not allowed to do that on. And those medications are very important for the management of the patient. You don't want them to be in pain unnecessarily because you forgot to get the refill or what. It would be good for that one designated right. medication manager to call those medications in for refills several days before they need it. Well, and I think that it really doesn't matter who you're taking care of, right? You could be taking care of children. You could be taking care of elderly. Anytime that we rely on our memory, we're going to make a mistake. So... You know, anytime that I get a medication that needs to be filled every 30 days, I automatically put it in my phone, on my calendar, or write it down so that I know that at the end of September, I need to get this refilled. I think that if you right. if you let it go and you don't put it wherever you manage that kind of stuff, whether it's in an mm-hmm. app or it's on a paper calendar or whatever, I think it's mm-hmm. important that you take that from your brain and put it somewhere else. Because if you are juggling family, home kids and an aging, whether it's a relative or a loved one or whoever, relying on your memory is just, you're setting yourself up. Right. Because I find that more and more, especially the older I get and the more I have on my plate, my memory itself is not near what it used to be. And so I'm I'm assuming that most everyone else is like that also. So you're right. Reminders for refill. And some pharmacies will try to call also. I know my pharmacies try to implement that and call when medications are due, but it's kind of, we don't set aside time to do that. It's just Mm. whenever we can find the time. Sometimes I go into a home and Mm -hmm. the wife or the daughter or whoever gives me a list of 30 medications, right? How do we keep those straight? Are there any tools or resources that you recommend just to keep the huge list Mm -hmm. straight on when each medication gets delivered at what time? Yes, I recommend a planner or a medication box or whatever. I don't really know the proper name. I call them a planner. But um, 
And if the patient gets medications three times a day, I would purchase three of those planners. If it's just twice a day, just two. And that one medication manager be responsible for filling the boxes. It's usually Monday through Friday it'll ha- or, or the whole week, seven-day planner, where you go in and you can put the medications that are to be taken that day at that specific time in that planner. Whereas the caregiver on duty at that time, all they have to do is flip the lid up for Monday morning or whatever time of day it is and whatever day it is and give that medication. Everything in that box for that day is what is, needs to give, be given to the patient. Because you're right, Kelly, when you have 30 bottles and you set them all out on the counter trying to take a pill out of that every day, you're going to knock some over. You're going to forget. You're going to be distracted with something else and you're going to forget what you've already taken a pill out of and you'll be ended up giving double dose or whatnot. So it's best that medication manager sit down like in a quiet place with no distractions, maybe like once a week and fill up the planners and just be sure you put that on your calendar to do like every Wednesday or every Sunday or whatever's easy for you to remember and fill up the medication box for the week. And that makes it easier for you as a caregiver, if you're the one that's administering the medications or the caregivers that will be on duty when you're not there. Definitely a good resource. And I don't know how people manage without those. Yeah, I mean, I think it just takes up so right. much mental right. room. You if know, you it don't. gets down. It's very difficult at times when it's you know some medications are taken three days a week or half every other night, or and some of those medications, especially like the blood thinner, Coumadin. Some of you guys may be familiar with that, but it's it changes often for patients. You know, they may be taking one whole tablet every day for so many weeks, and then they go in and have their blood checked, and that changes. And you definitely need to have that medication manager aware of those changes and aware of what that medication is and which one it is and it just if you have more than one or two people or one person actually even trying to you know put their hands in the medications and manage all that it's just room for error and it could be detrimental mistakes you know right Yeah, I'll also say that I think it's really important that whoever is managing medications, whether it's a spouse or a child or whoever, to make sure that there's a list of current medications. And I think, again, it goes back to the memory part. You know, when we rely on our memory, mistakes happen. And a great example, so I had a neighbor this weekend whose husband had an accident and He's fine, but paramedics had to come and she was upset and she um, couldn't remember what medications he was on. And no one could, right? I mean, I don't know that I could remember what medications my kids are on right now. If I'm in a a crisis situation, and I guess that's the point, right? If we're in a crisis situation, our memory kind of goes. And so I think it's important that, you know, you have a list of medications Mm -hmm. and even a shared list. You know, there's some apps out now where you can share the list and make sure that, you know, as a daughter, I know what Mm -hmm. medications mom is taking on a day-to-day basis. And I, you know, I understand that we try to keep privacy, you know, intact Mm -hmm. and we can't plan for everything too. We have to remember that. But if you are in a primary caregiver role, I think it's important that you know what medications someone is on. And so whether it's writing it down or again, using an app of some sort. That's right. And I like to, what I did for my grandfather when he was living and still now for my grandmother is I have a, 
I keep a list in my purse because I'm always the one that usually takes them to the doctor or whatnot. And they're always asking mm, for a current med list or in like the little company, like I said, with the necklace that we have for my grandmother, they suggest you put the med list, keep the med list current on the refrigerators. So if they ever have to come in when no one is there, they are always, they're trying to look on the refrigerator for this med list. And I like to also tell people to keep the med list, keep it current put the drug name, the strength, and how they take it. If they take it one half of a tablet or one whole tablet, and also the time of day, bedtime, you know, morning. And then write out beside it what it's used for. Because there are some drugs that's very important that you know what they're used for. Some, it doesn't matter and neither here nor there to you as a caregiver. But some are very important, such as blood thinners or sometimes a beta blocker. Because sometimes you will be asked at a doctor's visit to hold the beta blocker for certain tests that are going to be done. And you need to know which medication your loved one's on that is a beta blocker or the blood thinner because some of those are held for surgeries and procedures and whatnot. So it's always good to know also or kind of be somewhat familiar with what your loved one is taking. Mm, That's good to know. So, you know, we talked a little bit about transitions and how coming from the hospital to home or there's a change in medication. Maybe one medication isn't working and so we have to switch to another one. You know, I go into homes a lot of times where there is so much medication But then only to find that really we're only taking five pills, right? So there's all this extra medication. I think people hoard their medications just because we don't know what to do with them. Back in the day, we were supposed to just dump them in the toilet. My understanding is that's not appropriate anymore. And so, you know, how do we dispose of medications properly in the correct way? There are what we call drug take-back programs that are in place now that most counties participate in. And it's where they set up these big, pretty much like dumpsters in parking lots around the county on certain days. And they're usually advertised for. So, you know, just keep your ears listening out for those dates. I know, like I said, most counties do those. And you can usually call your sheriff's department of the county you live in to tell you when and where those will be. But it's where you just take your medications, no questions asked. You just dump them in this dumpster, and then they're disposed of properly by the DEA. It's not just some anybody coming around to, you know, dispose of the medications. It's done in the proper way by the proper authorities. Also, I know here in our county we have what... I call it a bin. It's just a big metal box that stands probably three or four feet tall. And um, one's located in three or four different areas, places of business or whatnot in the city. And you can just drop your medications off there. And once again, the same procedures take place. They come around and they collect the contents of that bin every month or every three months. And they dispose of it in the proper way. But you're right, Kelly, the um, days of flushing it down the toilet or just throwing it out in the dumpster is is not okay any longer. It's harmful to our environment. You never know if you just throw it in the trash can, if some animal or dog, pet during the night is going to come and raid your trash can and maybe eat those tablets, you know, and yeah. just that's not what we recommend doing any longer. And you can probably check around, Kelly, because I don't know where all these places are, these bins or whatnot, and put those also in the 
um, show notes just for people to. Yeah, in the show notes. I would say that you could probably call your local pharmacy and just ask. I know that recently we had some narcotics that um, I don't like that kind of stuff sitting in my house. So I knew one pharmacy in town would dispose of narcotics, but they Mm -hmm. don't all do that. And so that was good education for me. So call your local pharmacist, no matter, you know, where you are and ask. Crystal, so as a pharmacist, what is something that you think that we should know that we probably don't don't realize that the refills that you have left should be on your prescription bottle or prescription label. If you look on it, I can't tell you where it is on every pharmacist label, but it should be on your label somewhere because we have daily people come in and ask for refills and, you know, they'll come back to pick it up and I'll say, well, Mr. So-and-so, you didn't have a refill on that. I contacted your doctor to ask for a refill and they'll argue and say, well, I had three refills remaining. And they are absolutely correct. You know, they had three refills remaining, but then there's a date out beside it. It will say three refills remaining until Mm. because there's prescriptions written and they're only good. Some are only good for six months. Some are only good from for one year from the date they're written. So those are things that you just need to be uh, mindful of and to take care of, watch out for that. And a lot of people don't realize that. They, one, either don't even know that information's on their prescription label, or number two, they just see refills and say, hey, I have refills remaining. Whereas if you keep reading, it usually will say until a certain day. Another thing to keep in mind is mm-hmm. using one pharmacy. That's not to not a sales pitch for any one pharmacy, but find a pharmacy that you like. You like the people that work there. You can build a relationship with the pharmacist. And that relationship with the pharmacist is very important. Pharmacist is just as much as part of your healthcare team as your doctor or any you know healthcare provider. And it's good to be able to have that relationship with your pharmacist to where they will recognize you when you come in. If somebody else comes in for your medication, they will question why are you picking up for so and so. Almost to the point that they'll notice when you have a new prescription. Hey, Mr. Johnny, did they change your prescription from 40 milligrams to 80 milligrams, or was that a mistake? Um, so it's good to get in with one pharmacy, one pharmacist, and build that relationship. Two, not all pharmacies have access to another pharmacy's profile of a certain patient. I think maybe some chain pharmacies may, but if you use a small independent pharmacy, they don't know what the other pharmacy down the street filled for you or what kind of side effect you might have from a medication or an allergy you may have. So it's good to just get in with one pharmacist, get to know or pharmacy, get to know, let them get to know you really well. That way you can have the best care possible. Well, Crystal, I know that this has been great information. I'm I'm sure that we, that our listeners have learned so much um, just from not only the caregiving side, but from the pharmacy side. So I just really appreciate your time today and being with us. I have had some tips or something that someone else could relate to or that possibly can use. But my, my biggest, I guess, takeout tip is just ask for the help. You know, that's been the the hardest thing for me to do, but it's also been the most rewarding or the best thing that I've done in my caretaking time is um, just asking for that help. And when people offer help, take advantage of it. They would not offer it if they couldn't or they didn't want to help. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Jerry Talk. Subscribe to Jerry Talk so you never miss an episode and share it with other caregivers who could use the encouragement and support. Join us next week for another great episode. Until then, have a great week.